A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box. And $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. The news cycle keeps spinning with the appointment of a special prosecutor. We'll talk a little bit about new developments and discuss some listener feedback on today's episode of The Briefcase. This is Sarah from the left. And Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Well, we're back for the briefcase. We are recording on Wednesday night and hope that everything that we say has some relevance Friday morning when we drop this episode. <gasps> so That's we're going funny. to, it is funny, right? It's just, um, I saw the funniest tweet from, it was like this poor NBC reporter and he literally tweeted like five minutes before the uh, special prosecutor story hit. He was like, I just filed a story. Hopefully it won't be irrelevant in 10 minutes. And then like, 10 seconds later is like, son of a bitch, special report. And then like 10 seconds later is like, damn it, my story's irrelevant now. It was really kind of sad. You know what I feel like a little bit? Um, You know, those fun houses that are at county fairs where you go in and like you look in a mirror and you're kind of Gumby-esque, you're tall and skinny over here, but then you look over there and you're short and fat and everywhere you look, it's just a little bit different. That's what the news feels like to me right now. Well, I was feeling sort of like I was on a roller coaster, up, down, up, down. But since this this sort of special counsel and bubbling over frustration, open talk of impeachment has broken, now it feels less like I'm living in an alternate reality and more like everybody's catching up. So we should probably, I guess, say what happened after we recorded Monday to get us to where we are now. 
So on Monday night, we had learned that President Trump had shared sensitive information with Russian officials during a meeting at the White House. And there was conversation about did he actually share something classified or not. H.R. McMaster told the media that he did not share source information, source and method information. Dina Powell denied that any information had been shared. Well, then Tuesday morning, we wake up to some tweets from the president himself in which he did his Lester Holt thing again. He said, Mm -hmm. actually, no, I did do this and I was fully within my rights to declassify any information I want to because I want Russia to put more pressure on ISIS. So that was Tuesday morning. Later on, later in the day on Tuesday, we learned that the source of the sensitive information was Israel which has so many layers of complexity wrapped around it that it's hard to even take a moment to digest the impact on the relationship between the United States and Israel with the president collaborating with Russia in this public way. Because obvious, obviously because of Russia's relationship with Iran, who many consider to be Israel's number one threat in the region, we can safely assume that Israel will not be pleased with the sharing of this information. And from everything I've read, the source of the information is placed within ISIS and so is incredibly fragile and um, sensitive source. And so the exposure could be threatening to this person, obviously threatening to Israel's willingness to share information with us in the future, much less any other country that's seen what has happened here. The most disturbing part after his tweets is H.R. McMaster came out again and was basically like, oh, well, it doesn't matter. He, I mean, he couldn't have said that because he hadn't been briefed on that anyway. Wait, I'm sorry. Is that supposed to make me feel better? I saw a quote from, I think it was a Maggie Haberman piece in the New York Times where senior White House officials felt that they couldn't say on the record what is their best defense of the president, which is that he just doesn't pay attention enough to know details that would be damaging to share. Oh, my God. So that doesn't make me feel better. That doesn't make me feel better. It doesn't make me feel great either. And again, I think there are lots of questions about ethics and journalism here, too. What should be shared? What shouldn't be? Journalists are having a very public conversation right now about how much they're able to share in light of encouragement from security agencies not to share more details around this particular story. So we didn't have any time as a nation to take a breath and digest the complexity of Israel being the source because the fact that he shared this information at all, really, because then someone shared a excerpts, I guess, from a memo that James Comey had written contemporaneously with a conversation at the White House with the president. And so the story goes that James Comey was invited to the White House the day after General Flynn resigned, and he was meeting with the president, the vice president, and Jeff Sessions, the attorney general. And the president asked the vice president and the attorney general to leave the room and I think one of them did. Maybe the attorney general hung around for a second. Mm -hmm. The president said, no, you got to go and was chatting. Red flag. I I would say 
if I were Jeff Sessions, I would probably find a way to stay in that room too. So I, I, I felt that detail was, um, relatable. So the president then says to Comey something like, I hope you see clear to let this go because Flynn is a good guy. And it sounds like Comey said something to the effect of, I'm sure he's a good guy and, and left it at that. And went back to his office and documented this conversation as many folks have confirmed to journalists was his pattern and practice. Well, and it's that, you know, I was listening to somebody say this today about the FBI, like in the FBI, if you don't write it down, it's not real. And so it's sort of a pattern of practice within the agency overall. And I think um, it's important to note that this story dropped in the New York Times. It was reported by Mike Schmidt, who is also the reporter that broke the Hillary Clinton email server story. So Hard working fella, that one. What I think is interesting about the Comey memo is that immediately we turned this into a referendum on Comey again. And you have people questioning if this is true, why Comey didn't immediately resign or contact Senate committees or, you know, why didn't he do something with this information? And I feel like the answer to that is obvious Maybe I, I guess I always give Comey the benefit of the doubt, which has been my thing for a long time, right? But I think he's a law enforcement officer investigating something much bigger than whether the president just told him to back off a lead. And so to me, it's just so clear that he put this in his file, felt he had bigger fish to fry and went back to work. Am I living in a fantasy world on that? Um, I mean, I I won't, I don't know James Comey well enough. I think we're all going to know James Comey a lot better by the end of the summer. But I think for now, you know, I think that he seems to constantly be in the process of weighing pros and cons and carefully deliberating each decision that he makes. I don't think anybody would accuse him of being flippant in his decision making. And so I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if he considered resigning since the president of the United States was engaged in what seems to be obstruction of justice. But I'm sure I would say instead of bigger fish to fry, I think I wonder if he just thought through the the um, effect on the FBI and the effect on the investigation and decided it was more important to document and move on. You know what I mean? Like he seemed to be so dedicated to his purpose at the FBI there's not much, it's such loyalty to him within the organization. And so he, maybe he thought instead of throwing the FBI under the bus and his career, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Well, that's I what know. I mean by bigger fish. If you're investigating whether a foreign power interfered in our election and whether the current president had some tie to that foreign power, and you think if I resign right now, or if I take this information public right now, I compromise that investigation. I, I just don't, it just—it wasn't a question for me why he didn't immediately do something with that information. But again, my bias is to err on the side of trusting law enforcement. So after we learned about that piece of the Comey memo, there was also reporting that the president had suggested to Comey that putting some journalists in jail over the leaking that was happening would be a good idea, which was unfortunate timing in addition to an unfortunate sentiment because the president was also meeting with the president of Turkey 
President Erdogan, who currently has more journalists in jail than in any other nation, and protesters near uh, the Turkish embassy were being treated violently in the United States in the midst of that visit. And so you'd have like all these things going on that just feel like, where are we? Then we learned that a grand jury has issued subpoenas for Paul Manafort's records, financial records in relation to a loan he took out immediately after resigning from the Trump campaign. Jason Chaffetz from the House Ethics Committee and Government Oversight asked for the Comey memos and said he had his subpoena pen ready. And today, Wednesday, May 17th, we have Congress people openly using the I word. The I word. The I word is out there. Seems like maybe um, our our uh, episode on how Trump gets fired was perfectly timed after all. Well, if you think we moved people in that direction, that's interesting to hear because I have received the most fitful responses to that episode that I've received to any that we've ever done. Really? And some using some pretty violent language, which just reminds me of how deep these issues run. And I've heard the, the term crying wolf all day. I like how people tell me, tell me that we're in an echo chamber when they're all using the same language too. So let's just be <laughs> honest about the fact that we're all in echo chambers in some ways. We're all seeking out sources that I don't even think anymore it's sources that confirm our bias. I think it might be as fundamental as sources that make sense to us mm. in some way. I'll tell you that as soon as the special prosecutor news broke. Oh, by the way, that happened today, too. This, we, there's a special <laughs> prosecutor now. So the deputy attorney general who wrote the memo that Trump initially said led to Comey's firing and then later said, nah, was going to do it anyway. He today appointed Robert Mueller, who is a former FBI director from the Bush era and seems to be universally thought of as a nonpartisan, dedicated public servant yeah, he uh, was, to lead he the Russian on, investigation. He was came on under Bush, but then stayed on under Obama for two years because Obama asked him to serve. He served a 12-year term. I saw Barney Frank praising him after several Republicans praising him, praising him. And I thought that was a pretty good sample. Yeah, it was a, it's a good choice. And it's not, you know, the, I think the deputy AG can still, um, the, the special prosecutor can still be fired. It's not like an independent counsel, which we've discussed previously on the show is legislation they let lapse. So it's not really available anymore, but it, it does seem to have a little more teeth. And it would take it would take some effort to get rid of him at this point. So I think everybody's hopeful that this will be the independent investigation we need. Plus, uh, it seems like the House and the Senate are both going to move forward with their investigations as well. Which is good. I mean, I think we can take a breath today and realize that our process is working. Yeah. And whatever the outcome of it is, the important thing is that our process works. I just and I think that it's just so kind of mind-boggling to me that we are 117 days in. We have a special counsel. We have members of Congress talking about impeachment. 117 days. Like, Nixon and Clinton were in their second terms when shit hit the fan. Like, that 
to me, it speaks volumes. I will tell you this, though, who is not speaking volumes at this point is Trump. He seems to be pretty quiet since the Comey memo. They put out a short little statement. No tweets. Not much going on besides that. One note I saw from Glenn Thrush on Twitter is that the appointment of a special counsel is usually very bad news for low-level staffers. Yeah, they need a lawyer up. Everyone has to lawyer up, and I think that has to be what's going on with the president, too. And Godspeed to his legal team, because (sighs) if there is anything out there, he has made it infinitely harder. And, you know, that seems to be the theme emerging today, even from some of the most ardent supporters of the president, or at least people who say, God, can we just get past this and work on our legislative agenda? You hear a form of consensus that he has really heightened the issues here mm-hmm. and, and that he has been his own worst enemy. If you're looking for a very quick salon quality, but not salon priced manicure, Olive and June has you covered. We've talked about Olive and June's Manny system before. It has everything that you need for a professional manicure in one box, salon grade tools, your choice of six polishes. Those polishes are going to last you for seven days or more. The cost breaks down to about $2 a manicure. Olive and June also has press-ons if you want. What I love, though, is that Olive and June each season is coming out with new colors, and I just got a set of spring and summer colors in quick-dry polish. They say this dries in about a minute. It seemed dry to me in about 30 seconds. It was not kidding about being quick-dry. I also love the light colors in this set. There is a huge range. My favorite one is called Kitten. It's like a pinkish-gray. The quick dry polish gives you full coverage in one or two coats. It lasts for more than five days and it is offered in more than 40 cruelty-free and vegan polishes. Olive and June just understands what's happening in our lives, that we need to move quickly, but we want to look great and feel great and have fun in the process. Visit oliveandjune.com slash pantsu for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash P-A-N-T-S-U-I-T for 20% off your first Manny system. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things. Big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash pantsy. Just finished A Court of Thorns and Roses and craving another fantasy world to devour? Dipsy's got you. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of short, spicy audio stories. 
They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. So I will also tell you that actually while we're recording, I got another New York Times alert that Michael Flynn told President Trump's transition team weeks before the inauguration that he was under federal investigation for secretly working as a paid lobbyist for Turkey. Despite this warning, which came about a month after the Justice Department notified Mr. Flynn of the inquiry, Mr. Trump made Mr. Flynn his national security advisor. The job gave Mr. Flynn access to the president and nearly every secret held by American intelligence agencies. So... There you go. There's a little more, a little more, just an additional sprinkle on top of everything else. Don't you just picture a lot of like shoulder shrugs and eh, going on and the, the the Trump team, like information comes to light. It sounds horrific. Eh, we're just going to go with it. I mean, that I'm, seems to be where they are. Well, and I think that they were looking forward to this trip that he's about to take as, you know, a reset and he was going to look like this world leader I think it's going to be, you know, I, I I mean, I just don't think that, you know, the the best case scenario for the Trump White House moving forward is not a disaster every day. The idea that they're going to have any sort of reset or any sort of, you know, great presidential moment why they have a special counsel and congressional investigations and staff worried about their own legal futures. I think it's highly unlikely. Something that troubles me as a conservative is that let's say that this investigation to everyone's satisfaction clears the president of any wrongdoing or any intent that would be necessary to show obstruction of justice or anything like that. Let's say that it comes out that this is, this can all be explained away. No big deal. (laughs) I still think that the legislative agenda is all but dead Mm. because of all of this chaos and because of the way that candidates in 2018 are going to emerge from the woodwork. And -hmm. I think that's good. I think we need that in our democracy Um, and the way that many of those candidates are going to have on a loop the photo of Republicans in the Rose Garden with the president after the signing after the House passed the AHCA. Yeah, that was some bad timing. Bad timing. It wasn't good. And so I think that the legislative agenda is gone. And so even assuming the very best case scenario for the president and frankly, for the country, I feel that he is going to have to act entirely through executive order to get anything done and that we are going to continue to see a massive expansion of executive power under this president. Well, if, he, I actually, if he emerges unscathed, I think that that's the result, that we see a massive expansion of executive power. If he emerges scathed, right, and there are issues here, then we're going to see, I think, just a crisis in terms of our confidence in that branch of government. And so either way... It just feels so tenuous to me. 
Well, I, I read, I don't remember who it was on Twitter that basically said, like, remember how I've been complaining about the expansion of executive power? This is how we got here. And, um, you know, sort of unchecked and there's no really great avenue to, you know, the checks and balances is imbalanced. And I, I have to agree with that. And I think that we shouldn't be so, we shouldn't have, it shouldn't have gotten this far. It shouldn't have been such a desperate situation to, um, to get to the point where we feel like there is an ind- there's going to be an independent, fair-minded, objective answer to these very, very important questions. And I don't see how the Republican Party doesn't see that. Like, I don't see how, and I'm not blaming the Republican Party totally for the expansion of executive powers. It's definitely been both parties. But like, to me, I don't see how they didn't see the long-term damage with the sort of hands-off, support the president at all cost approach up until this point. I think we're all contributing to that too. I was reading, I was reading outside of the bubble, as some would say today. I read beyond, I read some Breitbart today. Um, I read The Federalist today. I read a, a number of pieces, National Review. And the language that people are using about this in, in, in terms of there's a war on whatever. Everybody's using the term war. Um, I saw a lot of references to a coup. Like oh, he's, Lord. he's not a dictator and he's not a king. Mm. And, and again, this is why I think if, if it is warranted, impeachment is the proper route, not the 25th amendment, because I think the 25th amendment does raise some questions about respect for democracy in action. If, if we're going the mental health route, but all of those words, like when we talk about the president in this way, I think it just erodes the fact that he like he's the president and that's a big deal. And also he's just the president and he's one of three co-equal branches of our government. Mm-hmm. And we've just kind of lost that perspective. Well, and it seems to be building this new sort of narrative within the extreme right, like the Trump Pence campaign arm sent an email with the subject line sabotaged right they're trying to destroy us and they openly reference the deep state and so now (sighs) this is going to be a thing are we going to have to talk about the deep state in every presidential campaign for the next like four cycles because i'm not up for it i'll just be honest i also think that if you are looking for a fight, you'll find it. This is a thing I said on Twitter. I don't remember when because every day has blurred together this week. (laughs) But I do think that if you are talking about our law enforcement officers and our intelligence officials in this way and firing a beloved boss of theirs, Mm. you're going to have more leaking, right? And it's going to get worse and worse. And, and, you're going to find the fight that you've been looking for when I think he probably could have come into office and really won these folks over quickly. Mm. Well, I don't know how much he was. The problem is, as we have learned, he wasn't coming into office with a clean slate. He was going to be coming into office. But it's it's you know, I think I made this point earlier in reference to Martha Stewart, which is. You know, he came in with a cloud because of the Russia collusion, because he did not take it, you know, good advice from people about Michael Flynn. But in try, it's always made worse by the cover up. 
in trying to interfere with the investigation and trying to stop the investigation. He's just made it 10 times worse. And everyone is making everything worse. So we're having this conversation about the media crying wolf in the conservative echo chamber. Okay, well, there's a point where like, if there is a wolf coming, crying wolf is appropriate. And if you just say, stop crying wolf, your house will be blown down by one. So I think that gets overused and, and it's to a point where it's fair to say, are these people just incapable of recognizing objective reality? Because there's an element of that. But then you have this, in my opinion, over reported, overblown story surfacing today about Kevin McCarthy joking that Trump is on Putin's payroll. And there was a piece of that story. The worst part of that, in my opinion, was that everyone denied Mm -hmm. that that conversation happened. And then the Washington Post said, hey, we're going to we have a recording of it. And they're like, oh, well, it was obviously a joke. Okay, well, I spent a lot of time with my six-year-old explaining that if you don't tell the truth in the small things, no one will trust you in the big things. So I wish that they had that message. But at the same time, in the context of everything that is happening, who cares about that conversation? And so I get that conservatives get frustrated with the media. I get that the media is imperfect. I also think that there is a volume of information that is being credibly sourced and reported here that we are really unwise to turn a blind eye to because it's coming from the media. So I, I think what happens with this media tidal wave environment, and I know it's true for me and I'm sure it's true for journalists as well. It's like, we're like the little rats in that experiment where if you give the rats a lever and they press it every time in their sugar, and then you give the rats a lever and the sugar only comes up out randomly, they, press the random lever like three times as much because our brains um, respond more aggressively to like random rewards than they do to consistent rewards. And that's what the media environment is right now. Like, let's not all kid ourselves that as much as we complain about all this tidal wave and it's so crazy, like we're all checking our phones and it's, uh, there's a little bit of like, oh, my God, what's next? Oh, my God. Like, especially if you do not support President Trump. There is some, you know, reward centers of your brain firing at regular intervals as this as everything starts to fall apart. And I'm sure that's true for journalists as they so it's it's hard not to just, you know, pick, click the lever, click the lever, click the lever and whatever little thing you find, especially that's that sort of has a sniff of a smoking gun, like a transcript of anything does then, oh, let's all jump on it because we're so hyped up right now and these neural pathways are being fired left and right because it's chaotic environment. Look, Casey, no, it wasn't Kasich. It was Jeb Bush, right? He was a chaos candidate. He's a chaos president. And I don't think truer words have been spoken. And the there is some weird brain chemistry psychology, I think, that goes on in that chaotic environment. And I think we're all susceptible to it, including the media. Well, I think especially the media, I just have to pause before I get that thought out to say, I would cut off my limbs for low energy, Jeb, in the White House right now. <laughs> Jeb, we hardly knew you. Um, I think especially the media, because that's their world, right? I mean, I feel more worn down by it because I'm trying to keep up with it while working a full-time job and taking care of my family and st- stuff. But 
But I watch and the media even kind of immediately goes to like the headline isn't enough as fast as they're coming. The headlines aren't enough. It's what's the subplot. Right. Mm -hmm. And what's the what's the twist on this? Like as an example of that, I saw Matt Iglesias tweet tonight from Vox that if he were Rod Rosenstein, he would be having friends at least plant the idea with people that he's been running a long con. So (laughs) that he did that memo to, you know, and. Okay, but oh my God, stop for a second. (laughs) Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online, and we were discussing the fact that I am 43, and she said, I cannot believe how young you look, and I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code PANTSUIT at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to 3rd Love, you can have both. 3rd Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem aka problems their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school get smoothing you know where and have straps that actually stay put designed at their headquarters in san francisco and made from premium materials they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women including themselves before it's given the stamp of boob approval comfort and support are guaranteed plus whether you're a double a cup or an h cup their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast and they've even invented half cups no more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right it's time to get your problems solved visit thirdlove.com and get 15 percent off your order with code podcast 15 
I really enjoy Matt Iglesias on um, Twitter. That's a side note. So actually, this is an excellent transition into our new sponsor. This episode is brought to you in part by WNYC's On the Media, which is a weekly investigation in how the media shapes our worldview and continues continues a conversation we're talking about right now. In fact, they just had a great episode called Rewriting the Right, which was an examination specifically of Kentucky and how it's portrayed in the media. And it's one of my favorite conversations I've ever heard in mass media about my home state where I live. And I highly recommend that episode. Brooke Gladstone and Bob Garfield are your hosts on a search for the truth in a 24-hour news cycle. So catch them on their weekly podcast on the media or on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We want to remind you that our membership drive is going on. Thank you to everyone who has stepped up to support Pantsuit Politics. We are so grateful for that support, and we really do want to be able to devote more time to the show. We clearly need to, given everything Mm -hmm. that's happening. So if you go to our website, you can click on become a patron or go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash pantsuit politics. You'll find us there. We're trying to put in lots of good content for our subscribers. And there's a list of kind of what each level of support gives you access to. We do want to remind everyone that if you become a supporter this month, you'll get to access our bonus episode, which will be Drunk Pantsuit Politics. And I'm just thinking that we're going to have some thoughts to share in that one. (laughs) I think we're going to learn a lot more about those emails you've been getting after the (laughs) impeachment (laughs) episode. So pantsuitpoliticsshow.com and click on become a patron or patreon.com slash pantsuitpolitics. Again, thank you so much to everyone who is generously um, supporting what we're trying to do here. We really appreciate it. And now, Sarah, we're going to do some feedback. Yay! But not the dairy regulations, not yet, right? Not yet, because that deserves more time and space than we have in the next couple of minutes. This is We're a constant, this is just an eternal teaser of dairy regulations. The dairy Only our community is like, oh, where's the dairy regulations? <laughs> I love you people for that too. I really do. Well, we're going to start with Brett, who gave us some good news. So Brett pointed out that the CNN town hall with Bernie Sanders and John Kasich was terrific. And that they aren't perfect, but their interactions gave him a bit of renewed hope that a higher, more thought-provoking, and generally more respectful discourse between different perspectives is absolutely possible when you recognize that the person opposite you is a human being with good intentions, which I would say is definitely a pantsuit politics theme. So that was awesome to hear. He also pointed out that he was excited about the reporting on Emmanuel Macron selecting a member of a rival party to be France's prime minister. I love that. Yeah. Macron and he and um, also they're calling a Trudeau move, appointed a ton of women to his cabinet. I think he is a really interesting guy. It's like it's such an interesting situation to have the centrist sort of rewriting the rules in so many ways. I've, I've read a lot of interesting write ups about how what he changed and how he kind of um, changed the playbook as a centrist for this last campaign. And look, he's the one who stopped this ongoing populist uh, surprises everyone trend. So for that alone, he deserves a lot of praise, but he's definitely making some interesting choices as he builds his government. And I, I will say this though, about all these CNN debates, it's just like, they're so, 
I think this sched- this sort of scheduling thing they're doing with these is interesting, but also it's like this weird alternate universe that they just keep perpetuating where Donald Trump isn't president. And, and I guess they're, I don't know if they're trying to like get back the reins of the campaign, but it's, I get, you know, it's sort of a fascinating approach to me. So Chad and I are going to embark on our European event adventure on Memorial Day. And we're going to spend a couple of days in Paris, a couple of days in London and some time in Scotland as well. And um, I'm so geeking out about the political things happening because I want to hear, I want to ask everyone I meet about Macron, you know, in mm-hmm. Paris. And then uh, the UK elections are going to be going on. Although I did want to share that our listener Kiki told us, and I think that she is in Ireland, that there is really no drama around the UK elections because the the only question is what the size of the Tory majority will be. Mm. She said, barring a major scandal, all this election will do is give Theresa May a better position to enter into the negotiations because she won't have to hold an election after the, the negotiations are scheduled to be over. That's the Brexit negotiations. Right. So anyway, I appreciated that perspective from someone so close to it, and I can't wait to be over there myself. So we also got some feedback from Carrie. She said, I appreciate your show. I wanted to comment on the thought briefly mentioned on your latest episode that none of what we're learning about Trump was not evident during the election. That may be true, but no one in the establishment thought he was actually going to be elected. Not even Trump himself thought he was going to win. The election itself demonstrated over and over again that the Republican establishment is out of touch with its base for better and worse. And so for them to not really get what was going to happen after he was elected is really not a surprise. I think that's true. I, I mean, I think she's right. I I mentioned last week that I thought I, I heard somebody make the point that James Comey didn't think he was going to influence election just because like everybody else, he thought Hillary was going to win. So, I, I mean, I think that's a good point. I agree. <laughs> I don't have much to add. I think that I think she is right. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for the feedback. Keep it coming. Unless you're being mean to Beth about impeachment, then you can just hush for now. That's all right. Uh, you can be mean to me. It is what it is. Like, dialogue's good. <laughs> I always learn something. Um, Until Tuesday, which will, I'm sure will feel like three weeks <laughs> between now where we're recording and then. And let's just hope the news cycle slows down just a smidgeny smidge. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, you Again, you can come follow us on uh, Patreon and become a supporter of the show and gain additional content. You can also subscribe to our weekly email. Thank you to my husband, Nicholas Holland, for producing the show and our new pro- um, new producer, Tracy. So exciting. Um, until next week, keep it nuanced, y'all. 